What's up, party people? Welcome to Office Hours, the flagship podcast of the You Can't Pay Your Rent on Exposure Podcast Network. The photographers are in. My name is Ashton Sanishevsky. I'm David Patino. And uh, welcome to Office Hours. It's the podcast where we pick apart all the things that go bump in the night for the creative world. Uh, we like to talk about cameras sometimes, uh, cameras you shouldn't buy, cameras you should buy, uh, and then a bunch of other creative stuff. Uh, so welcome. Welcome to another episode. Yeah, welcome back. You were in um, South America, right? Yeah, I was in uh, Latin America, Guatemala. Latin America. Yeah. Uh, somewhere Where is in... that exactly? So, south of Mexico, Hond- like south of Honduras. It's it's down there. See, this is where you learn that I'm a terrible American. You have and no I, idea. I have no idea. <laughs> on, like, lo- like location-wise, we're on a map where that is. It's a was short it warm? Flight. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Okay. Um, like, well, it was hot. It was like 94. So, like, when I left Atlanta, it was 30-something degrees. Like, we were in the middle of, like, this, like, cold flash mm. thing, which for you, that's nothing. That's, like, a summer day. Sure. <laughs> um, but we get off the plane, and it's, like, 94 degrees, and I'm wearing three layers of clothing. So, it was a <laughs> it was a great, uh, a great little transition period. But incredible country. I met some amazing people. Absolutely stunning visually. I mean, just so much culture. Uh, just so much history. It's absolutely stunning place. Um, if you are adventurous and you fancy yourself a world traveler, you should most certainly check it out. It's not a very expensive flight. It's not a very far flight, um, but you feel like you're a world away once you get off the plane. It's just uh, nice. It's, it's a really cool place. Um, lots of cool the stuff. The Instagram there. I stalked was beautiful. Everything looked everything looked picturesque and serene from what you posted. Well, thank you. I managed to uh, snag a couple of images from our, our travels around. I think like so. The challenge for me was. Um, this is like in a slightly newer portion of like my career venture now, but mm-hmm. stepping away from the actual widget making in some senses and trying to be more of like a, um, you know, producer director type, You're um, the boss. Well, I was like the second, the third th- boss, the third boss, <laughs> the fourth boss in, <laughs> and like one, like I would probably, I've still ran stuff and I got coffee for the for the photographer so it's fine whatever um stay humble <laughs> but you were the, you were the you were you were directing video though right? yeah I, was, I had the opportunity to to help direct and, and get some stuff made so uh the guys that i went down with um i actually help with a a fishing show for a cable network um mm-hmm. have some really great guys i've met along the way and they they make this incredible program uh, which is a lot of fun for for me to be a part of but we went down to guatemala to film season two a couple episodes for that uh, upcoming season and while we were there we just tried to make a couple little widgets on spec just for some funsies to see what we can make um so great journey a lot of fun uh managed to catch a fish i you know i'm not a fisherman that was any- not a fish that was like a whole <laughs> half a whale i saw yeah, it so i <laughs> i i am like i grew up on the gulf uh which you would think that maybe i've been exposed to some kind of fishing and unfortunately not i'm like i'm just i don't know what to do will you put a pole in my hands and i'm like uh yeah sure but um we were out off we were about maybe 50 or 60 miles off the coast of guatemala so we're like way out in the ocean in the pacific and like we're 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 targeting these big fish um they're called sailfish they look like they kind of look like marlin uh, they're just big i think they're a little bit smaller okay. than marlin but they're but they're big um and you know, at this point, this is like the very last day. We had already kind of made the show. We had gone through all the trials and tribulations of making a program and all the stuff that comes with that production. So mm-hmm. we were on the last day and we started, you know, 
doing a little bit of crew fishing and you know me i was like no you guys have fun i'll just i'll i'll take pictures of you guys pulling them all in and you know the, they had a good time basically just poking fun at me so the lines <laughs> tipped off managed to grab a rod reeled one in it was huge uh huge rush like adrenaline rush um that said i don't i don't think i'll be catching any more fish the next time i go out with them if i do if i'm lucky enough to go out again I'll just stay in the corner of the boat That's and take it. the take the trophy pictures. So, do you did you eat the fish? Uh, no. You, so, what for do you the, do with it? Well, these are these are purely like sport fish. Um, oh, so you, okay. you just like you take your picture, you say you did it, and then that's kind of the end of it. Um, Amazing. That now there are fish that you can like technically go out and eat depending on size. There's a bunch of like you know qualifications that you have to fall under to do it with the rules in, in mind yeah. that said, I don't know them. Uh, I, I knew, I knew them better when I was on the boat. I, I know them less a week out right. from it. It's, it's, it's quite fun how quickly those things leave your mind. Yeah. You learn a lot and you like, you learn how to talk the talk when you're on set. And then the second you get on the plane, you're like, what did I just do? I'm, I am faking it until I make it. I'm <laughs> all day, all night. That's all I do. I just make it up as I go. Um, but great trip. And I'm glad to be back in the States though. It feels, it feels good to be back in the land of like consistent Wi-Fi and mm. LTE signal for my phone. Yeah. There's um, something to be said for that. Yeah. I mean, how terrible does that make me sound as a human being? <laughs> Couldn't spend a week away from Wi-Fi. It was awful. <laughs> anyway. What do we got on the agenda today? So, you know, I was actually, so I went to pre-light uh, a, a shoot today, this afternoon, and it got me thinking, you know, for me, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but walking into someone else's studio space and having to use their equipment, it's just such a, it's such a foreign thing to me. And I think that when I was pre-lighting this thing, I initially, in my mind, I had budgeted a little bit of time. Not a lot. Like maybe like I budget maybe an hour-ish, hour and a half, thinking like, yeah, this is a pretty straightforward shoot. I've done a million of these. I know this in the back of my head. Like I know how to do these in my sleep. Sure. And so I start setting up the the lights, and it's like, oh, well, these lights are not my lights. They're a little bit different. This modifier works a little bit different. This camera is set up a little bit different. So it's like having to go through all the little things that you don't think about when you pick up your stuff. So you walked in the door with like, coffee in hand and that was it no that's, gear that's at it well, all. and i think that's the we talk about that being the dream it's like you just want to show up to set and make stuff but i'm, I'm not gonna lie it was kind of a challenge for me i think I, and i feel bad for the <laughs> for the creative director producer that i had like on set with me she was like welcome me and she goes oh my gosh here's our studio yada 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 like go gangbusters on it go do what you need to do and there was a couple minutes where i'm like oh yeah this is different i need to like reconfigure my brain to do this yeah. so like and like down to super super small things like they had a a, a canon 1d4 or, or a canon 5d4 um, which is an incredible camera sure i've used them before you know absolutely like i've used canon bodies partially my entire career um but like things something super small like that they have back button focusing on on their camera versus half shutter uh, focus yeah and, and like i'm a half shutter guy i've always been always will sure. be that's how my brain works. So, like, for the first 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, that's... The camera won't focus. It's like, what, what's going on here? And, like, I had to, like, I knew it, like, sub <laughs> like, I knew it in my head, like, no, 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 it's back button focus. But every other image is like, I forgot that. Sure. And you're like... And you don't want to go re resetting all their gear either. Well, yeah. And so, it's like, I don't want to be the guy that, like, comes in, oh, man, this dude came in and reset all of our stuff, and now we don't know how to use it anymore. We have to, like, go back and reconfigure it. It's like, no, I'm just going to learn to use your stuff. It's like, I don't know, it's like driving someone else's car. You know, you're moving their seats and 
changing the radio presets. It's like, sure. don't be, don't be that guy. Anyway. Right. <laughs> so it got me thinking like, for me, that was a little bit of a, like a, like a little bit of a learning curve. And obviously I got everything dialed in. Everything looks good. We're, we're all set for tomorrow. But it got me thinking like the idea of having your own studio versus renting a studio and that also in like how one step further like gear and all that stuff like renting your own gear or renting gear versus having your own kit yeah it's expensive well because you own your own studio and you've had you've you've had two studios in your career i've never not owned a studio for me it was literally from the start i was like if i'm gonna open my own photography business i want to have a studio that was very important to me i think part of it was my one uncle's been in the game forever and he had this he had like the quintessential new york studio and and growing up i would go there and hang out he had several of them but you know they were huge spaces and i was always like this is so cool and so i always thought to myself like if i'm going to do this i'm going to have a studio and of course mine was like a my first one was like a 500 square foot storefront on like just off the main drag in Marstown, New Jersey. And what a a ginormous waste of money it was. (laughs) But for someone like me who was starting off and finding my way and not really knowing what I was doing, it, it gave me a lot of clout. People would walk in and be like, whoa, you've got a, like a glass door with your name on it and a leather couch from Ikea. Like you're legit. Like you're not going anywhere basically. And so I always clung on to that. And and once you have a studio, it's really hard to get rid of one. I mean, I've never, so I've, when I was at the agency, I mm-hmm. basically, so cliff notes for those just joining us, because if you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you. Um, I built a photography business out of a, out of an agency for about nine years. And we went from, I would say like a small, small, like storagey style closet studio to an actual studio studio. Um, but aside from that, I've never owned my own studio like david has owned a studio and i remember the first time i met you david was when i rented your studio for a for a a gig and exactly to what you're saying though like i walked in i'm like oh my gosh this guy's got he's got all the stuff he's he knows what he's doing this is legit i think there is a there is a sense of like professionalism and legitimacy that comes with having having a camera room you know There, there definitely is i don't see it entirely the way that like an outsider does, because I walk through it every day and I'm just kind of used to it. But um, but I can see, you know, that how that would definitely lend some sort of validity when you when you look at someone like that. The big thing for me was I wanted to be able to have a space where I could accommodate most of what comes across my you know my email basically. Like when someone calls for a job, I wanted to be able to be like, yeah, I got you covered for that. And so for me, it was just it, it was a no brainer. And and the studio that you met me at was probably eight times the size of anything I would ever need. Uh, it was a ginormous space, but the the rent was so cheap per square foot that it was worth it. And so that's when I got into renting my studio out to other people. And and I, it was cool because I ended up meeting a lot of other photographers that way. I ended up making a lot of really cool connections and um, landing a few clients that way. Um, but really in, in, in retrospect, I mean, I, I probably only used, uh, you know, eight feet of that, 40 foot psych that i had it's just you know i i never i never had anything that big and so um you know cool to have uh but it gets pricey and it's there's a lot of overhead and there's a lot of you know people forget how much it costs to run to heat a space you know like a lot of these spaces are like big old warehouses space you know like that's what i was in Uh, right now the building i'm in is you know over 100 years old it's really cool it's got a lot of character but my god is it drafty (laughs) you know and 
it's a lot of money that goes into just like turning on the lights every day. And I don't know if that's for everybody. Well, and I guess like, I think this is why you see so many photographers and, and creative folks that have a studio space like that, um, try to put it to work when you're not using it, right? Like they try to monetize it yeah. by renting it out and allowing other people to use the space, which I think is kind of, I don't know, I think I, I spoke to a photographer a couple years ago where they talked about their studio being like the best piece of marketing for their business. Yep. Um, because, you know, they would rent out a studio to another photographer and that person would come in with their crew or their clients. And while they're there, it's like you start talking and sharing stories and the client says, oh, well, this is a great space. Like now we know one other photographer to maybe call if the time should, or if the need should ever arise. The last thing you want to do is, is snake someone else's client, but it happens. I've seen it happen before where a client comes in with another photographer and then they're like, well, you own this space and you have all this stuff. Cause our guy, he's good, but he doesn't have this. So if we hired you, you have all this, you know, and then they're thinking like, we wouldn't have to pay extra to rent this because it's yours, you know? And so I've had, uh, you know, even being a rental space, I, I've had situations like that where people are like, well, what if we just, what if we just got rid of our guy and came to you? And of course you want to, you want to say, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> but morally speaking, you shouldn't do that. You know, there's there's a lot of weird stuff that happens when you're and, in a studio like that. And this is why when we first met, I basically asked you to stay out of my way. Yeah, no, exactly. You were like, hey, shut the door and don't say anything until the, the catering shows up. I can't have this guy that's all legit coming up and just <laughs> staging me up in here. Um, I think I think it's an interesting point. Um, like to not, obviously, like we're all in this creative struggle together as artists. So you don't want to like snake someone else's work. I almost look at it almost from the idea of like doing someone a solid though. It's like not every photographer has the need for a, a, a studio space at all times. And, you know, I think that that's kind of like the good gesture of like artists helping artists. Um, yeah. Because like, and I, I don't know, I feel like there are a lot of the, the people that I've talked to that do the studio rental game really, really well have no like they'll let their own work like they'll let their work stand on its own two feet and it's like the space is a completely different thing yeah like away from their business so like yeah. you referred me to a, a studio out in philadelphia um power plant productions i mean yeah incredible space and i got to meet the owner there and he's just like super stand-up guy um but you know we were talking after we had wrapped our shoot and in he was talking about how they have, so they have an upstairs studio and a downstairs studio and they book it almost around, around the, around the calendar year. It's, it's always being used by someone for something and it's all based on the, uh, you know, the whole premise of just, he's a good dude, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, you got to keep in mind that. So if you don't have your own studio and a client hires you and, and you, you have, you have to produce a studio shoot, right? You go and you find a studio and let's just say that studio costs a thousand dollars to rent. Okay. That comes, that thousand dollars comes directly out of your client's pocket. You're, you're never paying for that studio, right? So if you rent studio space when you need it, it doesn't cost you anything, literally, unless you're doing your own shoot for fun or whatever. Um, when you own your own studio, you are always paying for it, even when you're not using it. So if I'm out traveling for a week somewhere shooting, my studio sitting empty, I'm paying for it but it's not technically making me any money. And obviously it's not costing me a thousand dollars a day, <laughs> it's, you know? Um, but what you can do is 
therefore, when you're not there, you can rent it out to other people and produce income for yourself, which helps pay the bills and keep the lights on and all that stuff. But you really got to kind of balance that out with how often are you actually going to use your studio? You know, like when I first opened uh, my studio, it was my first studio. I didn't shoot in it. It was just a place for me to meet with people, really, I mean, and take headshots. That was it. I did like little headshots in the corner, but there wasn't enough space to really shoot. And by the time I left there, I had pretty much gotten rid of all the furniture and it was just equipment and a, a 20 foot by 10 foot space to shoot. My, my business had flipped basically and, and it was no longer like in-person sales and wedding clients. It was headshots and product. And, and so, um, you know, by the time I actually left there, I really did need a studio that was shoot space. And that's how I ended up with the next two studios is that, which are completely catered to, you know, audio and video and photo. So let me ask you this, like, you know, obviously you've, you've, you've had various, you've had different spaces of various size and scale. And do you feel that having the studio helped grow your business into the, like to the next chapter of where you wanted to go professionally? Was it like a, you know, you, you, you buy, it's almost like you justify the expense to go chase the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think two things. Number one is I think it kept me on track to do what I wanted to do. I did I never, I never, uh, like got scared and started running around looking for whatever. I was kind of like, no, 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 you have this big, you know, you have this studio space. How can you make money using this studio space? As opposed to like, oh my God, I should go shoot bar mitzvahs or whatever. Like, I, you know, it kind of kept me focused on like, this is what you do and you're, you're kind of good at it and you've got, you've set yourself up. So stay here. And then the other side of it is, um, having that space enabled me to do so much. So just 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 having that there for me made my career into something that it is because people would show up and go, you know, we've got all this product and you know, we don't have space to shoot and it's like, okay, cool. Well, just listen, UPS is going to show up. We're going to throw up in the the overhead door. We're going to unload 50 boxes. I'm going to sort it, I'm going to shoot it, and then 2 days later we're going to pack it all up. UPS is going to show up and it's done. Like you guys don't have to worry about it. We're never going to mess up your space. You know, your warehouse can stay the same or whatever it is. Just come here, like come here, make a mess of this, and then we'll clean it up two days later. And to a lot of companies, especially with product and stuff, that was very appealing to them. They were like, wait, so we can just come here and trash your space and then walk out at 5 p.m. and not worry about it? Now, it sucks that I had to clean it up, but but that's part of the job, you know, is that having a big studio, you can do big, stupid stuff, or you could set up multiple sets. I mean, you when you used my studio, you had like three or four different sets, I think. Yeah. Well, and that was, a, I mean, quite honestly, that was one of the biggest draws of having your space. Um, you know, it was just, I wa like looking at the setup of the room, you had this huge 40-foot psych, and it, like we were able to do three very un unique setups yeah. using that all that space. And so I think for me, it was helpful to have, you know, an area large enough to say, okay, well, my clients, I only have them for so long. So let me run them through each of these setups and I don't have to like break something down and put it back up. You know, um, yeah. you could just have them all running congruently and, and you could just flip from one thing to the next. Um, now I guess let's like take that one step further because you know, you had, uh, you had Ashland, which was the big studio space, the big 40 foot mm -hmm. site. And then you moved recently into Tannery, um, mm -hmm. which is a little bit different in terms of the setup. So yeah. I guess, you know, same square footage, but totally different. <laughs> so, let me, so then, was it that you started noticing a difference in the way that your 
your business or you wanted to go creatively. And so you started looking for how would we shape the next space or was it purely a, like a, I'm paying for a lot of extra square footage to heat and cool and maintain. And I want it to be different. Like, was it just like looking for a different setup or was it that your work was dictating the change? Mm, neither actually. So I'm in a unique situation where, uh, my wife is in the same, uh, type of work. She runs a production company. Um, primarily video but she does a lot of photo as well and so we share the studio space we always have and um the the tenure plan the long the long-term goal was to always buy a building and turn it you know and own the studio because you know when you rent you're just pissing money away and blah, blah 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 so um two years into our lease at ashland uh this building came for up for sale and it was enough space to not only build the studio but live in as well. And the price was too good and it had to happen right then and there. And so we actually just abandoned the studio that we were in. And I had a really sad couple of months. I had a hard time leaving that studio because I had built that studio from the ground up to be everything I wanted it to be. And although I knew I was going into a much better situation financially and yada, 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 um, it was just, it was kind of like, oh man, but I, I really liked having this big wide open space. And the new space was, like I said, same square footage, but it's broken into three, uh, three different rooms. And so there's a, there, now I've got a large client area. I've got um, a 16 foot psych, which is perfect for me. Um, and then I have a, a, a studio upstairs above that, which is a giant daylight room. So I actually, the cool part was I actually gained more because my original studio was just a big, dark concrete box. You had to shape everything. And now I have a big, beautiful, like lofty daylight studio, as well as a little dark box that's kind of more accommodating for what I do. And I've never, so far here, I've never needed more space. If I did, I would probably just go back and I don't know, rent my old studio because it's still a studio. Um, or I would, you know, there's a million studios up here that I could easily get into. I know a lot of friends that own them now. And so for me, it was more like this was an opportunity of the rose and we're gonna we're just gonna make it work because it's too good of an opportunity to pass up right now. So, I mean, this is interesting because you just mentioned something that I, I wanna um, pick it one step further. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned the idea if you needed a different type of space, you would, could go rent it. Like we could go back and rent Ashland again if you needed to. Sure. Um, so do you, as a, someone that owns a studio space, you conduct all of your business out of it. You have two different, like you have two different styles of setup that you could do based on daylight or if you wanted a big, big white box where you shape everything. Yeah. Do you find yourself thinking or find, you find yourself saying, oh man, I need, I need to go like on top of the studio I already pay for, I need to go find one just for this gig. No, <laughs> no, luckily I've never had to do that. Um, ever. Thank God. Well, because Not I think yet. like, <laughs> so I'm on the opposite side of the fence, right? So, you know, I, I don't have a studio space. Um, and I think, you know, for me, the, 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 when you're shopping around, when you're like, when you're working on a project, right? You, certain projects will dictate the space that you rent. So like mm -hmm. for when I rented Ashland, it's like, well, I need a, it was either I shoot in your studio or I try to make it work in a hotel like conference space. Right. And I think those were the two like options I had in my mind for like how much, here's how much money I have to play with yeah. to get this job done. And it was like, well, this is a, like David's studio is a little bit more, but I'm going to get everything I need 
Yeah. And like, that's what helped me make that decision. So, or like if I needed to shoot something primarily daylight, right? Like I would go find a space like in Atlanta, there are a handful of like really nice giant open, open light, you know, giant windows, warehousey looking spaces. There are a bunch of 40 foot psych walls, you know, no light can ever see come into right. this room, like that kind of stuff. And so you, you know, you shop per the project, which, you know, like when you have a space like you do now, you kind of have both of those, those bases covered, but you don't find yourself needing to like say, oh, well, I'm going to need the 40 foot psych today. No, I've never, never gone back to that. And, and it's, I, I have clients now that actually will say to me, like, just come shoot it at our place. Like we've, you know, like kind of like what you're doing tomorrow, or whatever. Like they're like, we got everything. Just, just come here. And although I'm not opposed to that, I have every single thing here that I could ever possibly need to do the work that I do. You know, and, I, and I'm talking like I have little like one inch mirrors to reflect light. I have two inch mirrors. I also have four inch mirrors. Like if I go to their space, they're not going to have that. And I might not know that I need that at the time when I'm packing my stuff and I'm not going to pack all this stuff up to, to it would be truckloads. But like if I'm here and we're doing a shoot and I'm like, oh, man, you know, what be here. I got this. Like we just need to light this one little part. Let me go get this little reflector. And the client is usually that's when they realize that they've made a good choice by coming to me and by coming to the studios because they go, oh, wow, you you really do have everything here. Like you've you've planned this out so that you can actually produce the work quickly and efficiently. And, you know, I've, I've done it where I, where I owned a studio and I've packed it all up and taken it to somebody's dirty warehouse to shoot. And it's never been a great experience. You know, there's always something missing. You don't have what you need or... So part of me is just really spoiled I say this seriously and honestly, I'm very spoiled because I do, I have everything I could ever possibly need here. And I usually don't have to leave. If I do, it's because I'm going on location, not because I'm going to another studio. Um, but that's not for everybody. I, and I know that, I mean like the overhead and the, the insurance and holy crap. I mean the headaches, you know, like, and, and I do rent my studio out still. And man, I, I've never gotten comfortable with that. You know, you never know who's going to walk through the door. You know, sometimes they're nice people like you. And sometimes they're sketchy mofos, man. Like just, you don't know what's happening, you know? And um, I don't know. But it, all in all, it's been a good run, I think. It, you know, I've owned a studio for eight years now, 10 years, whatever it is. Um, it's been it's been good to me. And, and I don't know. I, I can't go back now. <laughs> I will say that, to, to your point, like, it, it's, it's a challenge to go. So as someone who came from having a space of, like, a defined space to make pictures to yeah. not having a defined space to make pictures, right? I, I do think that there's something to be said about having a space that you're comfortable in. And I and, and this is super, super like silly to me, but it makes so much sense in my head. Like this e-com shoot that I was pre-lighting today. It's like, oh, I've I've lit a hundred things on seamless white infinity. Like I've done this in my sleep. Yeah. But I've done it, I've done it a lot in a room that I know exactly how the light falls. I know exactly where the power works. Like I know I have like the tape marks in the floor of where I like to set my lights up for that type of widget making. And so to walk in dry to someone else's space, it's like, I don't know how the light moves around here around these types of like the flooring or this, you know, whatever. If you don't have enough room in the, in your overhead, it's just, I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about having a space where you know where everything is, you know how everything works. And so to just like drop in on a foreign space it's it makes it a little bit more challenging you know it's like every time like if you're purely on location 
which I think like that's kind of a good bit of my work nowadays. But like if when you're purely on location, that's a that's a huge challenge to walk into a room and be like, all right, here's how I'm going to do this. You know, you're you're re you're reinventing the wheel every single time you walk <laughs> into it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like when I had a studio space, it's like if I was going to do if I was going to do LinkedIn headshots is a good example of like a thing that we did really regularly, like basic on white mm-hmm. infinity headshots. It's like I knew exactly where I was going to put my lights. I knew exactly how far I was going to have my distance to or my talent to 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 the seamless. Like all of those things were like clockwork in my brain, and I could set that shoot up in fifteen minutes flat. Yeah, you know, versus walking into a space where you're like, ah, I don't know, like I don't know how much I have to work with here and X Y. You know, so that's kind of a. Would you ever find yourself in need of a your own studio space, like a full time spot where you go and hang your camera up? You know, I like the, I, I think, I think anyone that says they don't want a studio space is lying to you. Right. Um, the idea of it is really appealing. It really is. And I think, I think for me, it's probably more the notion of having a place to conduct my business or like do my work. Mm-hmm. I, I, that This is the type of creative that I am, but I like very much having places or sp- like specific areas to do certain things. And I think having like right now, my my office is my home, right? And so like mm-hmm. I work out of my house, and I think that that leaves a really. And I think most people that work for them, that work from home, have the same issue. But it's your work is always fifteen feet away from your bed or whatever it is. It's yeah. like you you know, so your ability to separate from your job at five thirty at quitting time, it becomes it becomes a bigger challenge because you don't. It's like you you sleep really close to where you do work, versus, you know, or you work really close to where you sleep. And I think, yeah. like, for me, the allure of a, of a studio, I mean, like, yeah, I'd love to have a space to go shoot stuff and have a psych wall, and et cetera, et cetera. But I think even more so than that, it's the, this is the, this is the room or this is the, the place that I do work. And mm-hmm. then when I'm done with work for the day, I can leave it, I can leave it there and try to, like, enjoy the rest of my life. Because I think, like, the past couple of months where I've been doing home office stuff, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not unusual for me to be like, all right, I just had dinner. Like, let me go crack over my laptop and do a little bit more work. Sure. You know? And then before you know it, it's like one o'clock in the morning. You're like, well, I just ran a second shift. I didn't even think about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think for some people that's like, that's how their brains work and they're totally cool with that. And that's, that's what they prefer. But I think, you know, having had a space where it's like this is the picture making space and this is the home space like it's nice to have that kind of separation yeah i've never it's funny because i've never had an issue with i i used to work out of my apartment and then i've always been i think the furthest i've ever lived from my studio is like a 15 minute drive and that 15 minute drive might as well have been two hours sometimes (laughs) it was enough to keep me from going in you know after hours if you will um or on the weekend or something, I'd be like, nah, not today, you know, like, or man, I got to drive all the way over there. And then, you know, if I'm only going to be there for a half hour, like I'm in the car for 30, you know I mean? Like just, it was never almost worth it sometimes. And I'd be like, I'll just do it tomorrow. It's fine. I'll, I'll get back to it tomorrow. And, um, you know, even with access to the computers and stuff, sometimes you just need to be there, but, but you're right. Like, I mean, I have a studio, but I, I live in it. So like, you know, the first weekend I was here and, and all the gear was here. I, I did. I got a, I literally got a phone call for a headshot and the guy was like, how about Sunday? And in my head, I was like, no way. I don't like, I'm not, I'm not working on Sunday. I'm not going to the studio on Sunday. And I was standing in my kitchen and I looked out the door. There's a glass door that goes into the studio B. And I was like, oh, wait, I literally have to walk 
18 feet and just pick up the camera. All the lights are there. Everything's so the, all of a sudden I lost that. I lost that excuse of I'm, I'm not going to the studio this weekend because in order to get to my car, I have to walk through the studio. It's a very, you know, um, so if you're not disciplined in and of your own head and self to separate, it can be a real problem to be like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to touch the computer tonight. You know, especially when you're like that same computer is how you cruise the web and fall into a YouTube wormhole. Like you're literally just, uh, you're, uh, you know, you're a command tab away from doing work. That's tough. I mean, that's more on, on your head than anything else, I think. I mean, yeah, I think it, it all comes down to like personal preference, you know, because I, I, I talk to some, some artists and creatives that, you know, the hustle is, that's what they thrive on. So it's like, yeah, let, let's always be working, always be doing, and that's, and that's fine. And I think like that's the stage of life that I'm in right now too. So mm -hmm. I really can't, I can't knock it. Um, but I do think that there is a nice thing to have when you like, when your, when your camera room is, is different than your, you know, your living room, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think like, you know, in the pro com for studio spaces, just to your point, like all your stuff, you can leave it set up. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have to break it down and haul it in your car and then put it back in your gear closet at home. Like you just, Hey, I'm going to leave that C stand right where it is. Dude, there is a whole set right now in my studio B that was set up on Monday by my wife. It's still there right now. She hasn't broken it down yet because she got sick and she didn't feel like it. And I didn't feel like it. And there's nothing else coming in for the rest of the week. So we're just leaving it right now. <laughs> it's like, that's really cool sometimes to just be able to be like, eh, just gonna, you know, I'll get to it another day. <laughs> and nobody's going to be like, Hey man, can you clean your stuff up? Cause it's or, like, Hey, or Hey, it's five o'clock. You gotta get yeah, out of like, here. You gotta get out of here. Yeah. The, the cleaning crew's coming through. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I mean, and I think, so tell me, do you feel like owning a studio space was like a defining, a defining point in your career in terms of like, did it make you feel like you were like, it, that was it? Like I've made it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. It's so it did, but it was also like literally day one of my career. <laughs> like my, my, I opened my studio and that's how I started my business. I was like, I remember unlocking the door and being like, looking around and thinking like, ah, oh, so good. And then sitting down at my desk and being like, I wonder when people are going to walk through the door. Like, so I had that moment of like, yes, this is, you've done it. You're, you're a professional photographer. I remember thinking that like, even though that wasn't really what I thought in my head it was, I remember thinking like, you've got an ad in the newspaper and the, your name on the door and this is good. Like you've totally got it. 10 years later, I think the same thing every six months. Usually I'm usually like, ah, you know, something will happen. I'll be like, this is it. You've, so, you've, you've really come, you've really come into it, David, you've made it. <laughs> so this is okay. So this is an interesting segue because like, you know, you talk about like, I think as, as, as any person in any career, like you think about milestones and mm -hmm. when, when, you know, you get into a gig or a, a career, it's like, oh, when I've gotten to this point or when I've gotten this title or when I got that office yeah. or then I've made it, you know? And I yeah. guess like some people, like, I, I don't know, I would define a, like a defining point in a career for photographers is like, you have your own camera room, you, you have a shop, you have like a, a place that you have the keys to. And it's like, yep, this is where we do the picture making today. So, I mean, at that point, you know, like, how do you how do you kick that notion of like the comparing yourselves because i think that that's an aspirational point right like 
oh, oh man, I want a studio too, David. But right. I don't know. Like, I think to your point, like it's expensive to own a studio and you got to kind of do what makes sense for your business and your finances and like what makes sense for the type of work that you do because not yeah. like, like you had a 40 foot psych wall, but you didn't need a 40 foot psych wall all the time. You were perfectly yeah. capable with a 16 foot psych wall. So, yeah. you know, like that, that kind of that old feeling like you've made it combined with how you compare yourself to others like how does how how would you put that into like how would you put owning a studio as, as one of those things is it one for me it is you know personally for me i i get a great feeling out of having a studio i i really think that it i'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding completely idiotic by the way because this is a loaded question because if I were a complete D-bag, I'd be like, of course it makes me the best to own a studio. Like, but, you know, like it's hard to... I, Welcome to like, Office Hours, episode eight, <laughs> the left turn edition, where we really take it into D-bag land. <laughs> it's it's hard to... Yes, for me, for me, honestly, for me, opening my business and like having my name on the door and having my own studio, yeah, it was a huge turning point in how I felt about my career and where I thought my career was going. It really was. And and then, but that being said, because I'm one of those artsy guys who's constantly reinventing himself, I'm constantly setting new goals for myself. So the second I got a studio, I was really stoked on that for like a week. I felt like you made it. And then I was like, yeah, but so many other people have studios. Like what's the next thing that you need to do? And so I've had like probably hundreds of defining moments in my career over the last 10 years where I'm like, you made it. And I, I can remember, I can literally remember booking, uh, my first, uh, commercial job over a third, like a real commercial job. And it paid just over a thousand dollars. And I remember telling people like, this is the biggest job of my career. I can remember saying it and, and thinking it, thinking like, this is, this is a really big effing deal. But I, I didn't go around like gloating. I was just like, yes. And then the second that job was done, I was like, let's do more of those. How do I, how do I make that happen again? So there's always something I think to look forward to. Um, I, I'm horrible at it. I try really hard to not compare myself to others, but I do it all the time. You know, I always look at like what other people are doing and how, what they're shooting and who they're shooting for. I mean, I think that's the big thing in my life now is like, now I've got like names that I want to shoot for. And, and then you shoot for them and you're like, okay, now what? On to the next one. Like, you kind of just learn that like the game keeps going. And so you can have these career defining moments or these really big moments and you, you should celebrate them. They're really freaking important, but realize that you still have to get up tomorrow and pay the rent. And that, you know, the, so great. You booked a $10,000 job this week, but that doesn't mean that every job you book from here on out is $10,000. You know, tomorrow you could be shooting a thousand dollar job again or a $400 job. again. So it's tough. I think you just have to keep like, like I said, like reinventing yourself and kind of coming up with new ways, giving yourself new goals. Cause that's kind of what I consider when you talk about like career defining moments, I consider them like goals that you tackle, but, um, okay. So I feel weird saying this cause like you're not a new photographer. You've been doing this for longer than I have actually, but you're, you're, you're freshly birthed from that agency job that you had, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're freshly out into the world. And like, so I can only imagine that the, that the goals you're setting are the things that you're kind of the way that you're uh, looking to your peers and people that you don't know must be scary <laughs> yeah it's y i mean year one is scary is what i'm saying 
year one. I is, want you to tell no, me how scary you are. Year, you are. year year one is it's terrifying. Um, and you know, I think I don't know. I've been I've been criticized for this by a lot of people. Um, like I think I'm I'm the one that never is quite happy with with like a win. It's like oh, I won something or I got a, like that was awesome. I was successful. And then I'm just like eh, okay. But yeah. I wanted I want I want more. I want the bigger one. I want the next one. And like I remember once that I was like, I don't know, I was feeling particularly salty one day and I was like, what I did today doesn't matter. What I do tomorrow will. And it's like and, and someone was like, that is the most dis- that's like the most disturbingly sad thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like you're not you're not happy with this win. And I'm like, I'm happy, but it's fleeting because what I want is the big I want I want the thing tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like what, what I made, everything I've made yesterday, today, and but yesterday doesn't count anymore. It's what I make tomorrow that counts. And I feel like it's a kind of a double-edged sword for me in a sense that like, it's the way that it's how my brain is wired to continue to push and be better and get better. But it also comes at the cost of like, never, never truly being content with the win that I have. And I, I think I'm working on it. Um, I, you know, I, I think that like. <laughs> There was one time like I was I looked at all my work and I was like I want to burn this book I hate all of it. Yeah. And it was like it's great work. It's 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 work that people like that people work really hard to get to and you know like I had it and that was that was a really great thing but at the moment I was like I don't like any of this and I just want to I want to do better and I want to do what so and so is doing or I want to get to that next milestone. And I think that everyone in our you know our chase for greatness, right, is kind of feeling like, oh, so and so's up that next level. I got to get there. the The secret is once you get there, you're just looking at where the next guy is. Yeah. And then you know it's it's this never ending cycle of just chasing it down. That said, like I do think that you know my metrics for or my my goalposts for success now as like as a solo dude like completely on my own and independent are are different than when I was part of an agency, part of a bigger machine. And I do think that, because I mean, I, I, I think I'm trying, I, I have to basically build a business from scratch over again. So when I came into that, that job, it was, they didn't have what I did. It didn't exist. And I helped make that happen. And so like, how are we going to build out a studio space or what, what kind of equipment are we going to use? How are we going to price the services? How are we going to market it? How, who are we going to do it next for? What style are you going to chase it down? And then having to basically start all over again and say, okay, well, you've, you've got these building blocks, go make another house. That's cool though. Cause you, you know, like you got to, you got to build a studio already and you got to do it on someone else's dime, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think I mean like look, I'm super grateful for the opportunity because it was an incredible ride and I enjoyed um I enjoyed every single up and down in hindsight. I think now that you know, now being kind of away from it, you know, I think that this was it was a clean slate to say, "Hey, you know what? You've tried some things, you know what works, what doesn't work, but now you get to do it completely on your own." Yeah. With the idea that like cuz you know, when it's someone else's when it's someone else's money, when it's someone else's purse, you have to do it you have to play by those rules. Sure. You have to right? ask, can I do this? Right. And I think, I mean, that's, that's fair. That's the exchange, right? It's like, you don't have to worry about it, but you have to do it to someone else's satisfaction, which is fine. That's, that's a fine compromise to make. But I think now it's like, you know, the wins that I have when I have them, thank goodness, think clients out there, if you're listening, I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> um, but they are, they, they feel better. They feel, they feel so much better. They feel to me. They feel far more rewarding because 
I know that I'm doing it my way. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't mean to sound like, you know, standoffish with that, but like, it's, there's a satisfaction in knowing that like, you know what, you did this one, you did this one on your own, bud. And like pat on the shoulder, go get them tiger, go get the next one. That's not to say I don't do the comparison game. Cause I still definitely do that. And I still like have moments where I'm like, man, that was, that was bad. I should have been better. All right. You know, this stuff doesn't yeah. matter anymore, but uh, you know, I think to your point, like you always have to be redefining what those, what those goal, like what that success looks like, what those goalposts are. You have to kind of keep pushing, pushing the chains forward and knowing that it's going to be different. You know, like I think my metrics for success now are far different than if you were to ask me a year ago when I was at that agency right. gig, you know, like what I want is different. And yeah. I, th I think, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's better. I just think it's different. And it will change next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it should. If if you've ever if you ever get to a point in your career where you think, "Oh man, this is it. Like I have made the big time." Then then you you're stop. Screwed. Yeah, you're done. You're done. <laughs> you might as well retire, you know? It's just there's nothing nothing else cuz you've given yourself nothing else to work towards. Yeah. And that's a bad place to be because you got to be constantly pushing forward like you said and and kind of you got to just keep kind of looking to the future almost. <laughs> Stupid as that sounds. I think that's a huge part of it. So looking forward to the future, let's get personal for a second. Ooh. What well, what is like a what is a goal of yours that that you'll that you're trying to hit that when you do hit it, you'll think to yourself like, I've done all right this year, or I've done all right this month or this week. Like do you have any that you can share? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're kind of they're probably a little cliche. I think that for me the 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 goal has always been or the strive has always been to make really great things with people that i respect and enjoy working with i think i made my best work when i'm in the company of really really talented people like a, a good team and i think what to me like the whole like holy cow like i did it that was good that was a fun that was a fun year or a fun month or fun, whatever it is is like being somewhere and seeing that work out in the wild you know, like I, I haven't had, I haven't quite had that moment yet where I'm like, I'm standing in line for, for, you know, like boarding an airplane and I look <laughs> to my left and there it is just staring you in the face, you know, like I haven't had that moment yet. I've had it in smaller ones. Like, you know, you, I've seen some like out of home stuff, like bus banners and things like that, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like the you know, some smaller stuff. And, and those are, those are great. And I'm like super thankful for them and super happy to have seen that. And anytime I ever see my work in the wild, whether it's like on the side of a bus or on the, on like on a, on a social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, yeah. like I'm so thankful for that, but I'm like waiting for the day where like, you know, someone's flipping through something and they go, they go, wow, that's a great picture. And I go, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> like yeah. that, that is, that is definitely a you've made it moment. I, I, I haven't had one like that, like striking, but mm. it, it's elusive to me. Uh, you know, it's I, coming. I, I, I hope so. I'd lo love to for it to come really close um, or soon, but I, I haven't quite had that one, but that's the one. It's like when a, like when a complete stranger goes, wow, that's amazing. You go, yeah, that, that was me. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. The whole thing play out. <laughs> well, well, okay. So, all right. Well, I've, I've told you, I've showed you my hand and mm. with, without even a drink, 
mind you. You owe me one. Mm. You owe me. A, you owe me a Lacroix now. Thank you. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> where Where's your What's your What's your What's your defining success moment? What's your What's your thing? I, I like the idea of he- overhearing people discuss what you've done. <laughs> so you've just added a new one to, in my head. Now I'm like, ah, oh, I need that. Um, but no, I think for me, it's really how I like big pictures, like physically big pictures. And so for me, it's kind of, I, I want a big print somewhere. I want a big ad somewhere. It doesn't have to necessarily be Times Square or anything like that. But like, I love the, uh, I love all like the, the sides of building stuff that they're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's, that's one of those things that I want. And I'm not embarrassed to say like, I want a giant freaking advertisement yep. that I've shot. <laughs> yep. That's exactly you know? it. Um, that nobody, you know. Nobody will probably look up at or think about or whatever, but I, I just, it's funny when I got off, I can't remember what airport I was in. Uh, anyway, I, I got off the plane and the the advertisements were, they were literally floor to ceiling. They were like eight and a half feet tall, nine feet tall, and they were like 15 feet wide. And I thought like, man, if I if I get one of those, like that would be really cool. But then I started thinking bigger and I thought like, like those sides of building things that they're doing now <laughs> just because i like really big prints and i have a camera that can make really big prints let me make really big prints please you know like you know the effective resolution of like a billboard and or side of building doesn't oh, have to be nothing. that much it's like 20 dpi <laughs> yeah you could probably take it with a potato and it'd be okay yeah yeah that but said, let me yeah. just feel like i no, no, no. that's money I, on something that I, I understand that completely. I think like there's been a couple <laughs> moments where I've had shoots like where like you have like the big crew and it's like, yeah, I got like I got I got a team. Yeah. And those are like really good feeling moments. And I think yeah. like the culmination of all of that would be like that team and I made that big thing on the side of that building right there. If you can high five someone while you're standing next to that, I think it, I think it means a lot more. I, you know, it's funny because it's it's rare that i go out with teams of people a lot of what i do is very solo but when i do go out i have that feeling of like not you've made it because you're running a team but you've made it because you know this many other talented people now like you've surrounded like you're so immersed in what you do that you like you're part of the community now you know it like you know people and you know even like when people call and they're like hey can you do x and i'm like no i i I just, I, you know, I refer a lot of people out. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Or like, I'm not good at do that. But I know a guy who can do that. Like that even makes me feel like really good about where I am in life when I can start referring other work out. Like Absolutely. that's a huge thing for me. On the flip side, you you touched on, you know, comparison and comparing yourself to other people. I'm like, that's, I do it all the time, man. And, and the problem is you never know what the story behind the image is. I know guys and girls who have taken images that i admire greatly and i've gotten the chance to meet them and ask them about that image and the story that comes out is like oh wow that that was a horrible story <laughs> like it makes you feel completely different about the shoot or like there's there's people who i've met who i've really kind of regarded highly and you walk into their studio and like everything is duct taped together and you're like oh oh okay and really the biggest thing i've learned out of all of this is the guys and girls who are shooting all the really amazing shit don't even talk about it. <laughs> they don't tell you that they're celebrity photographers or, you know, fashion, whatever. They don't talk about Milan and Los Angeles. They just make shit 
and that's it. And then they move on to the next one. And I think that's the coolest thing. It's got to be like all relational, right? Like our, you know, basic on white headshot, like where we kind of bemoan sometimes. We're like, oh gosh, another one is like to us, like to someone else shooting with a celebrity is like that to them. Like, oh man, I got to do one of these again. But man. And, and, and the thing is, you've never done it, so it sounds really cool. But the it, second you start doing it, just think about it. The second you started being a photographer for a living, right? You probably wanted to do it. And then you started doing it, and you're like, eh, it's cool. Yeah, you're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you realize there was headaches and, you, you know, business and bosses and uh, budgets and all that crap. And then you're like, oh, it's just like any other job. <laughs> well, and the, so, I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like, cameras used to be super super some special to me like magical things like oh my gosh amazing mm-hmm. and now i think of them as just hammers you know yeah. of like varying quality and style and size you know um yeah. and i think that you know i don't know it's it's like the idea that you should always love the the process more than the product mm-hmm. you know and i think like in my career i've i found that to be true because i used to i think everyone when they're first getting started or in, not everyone but like when I was getting started, it was all about the product. Like I want to do the big thing. I want to make the big widget. I want to have the big billboard, the big side of building that, that, that. And like to a certain extent, like, yes, I still want that. I very much do, but (laughs) I've come to understand for myself that the process is what I enjoy far more because the product, the success is fleeting. Yeah. And, and you're always wanting the next big thing, but the process, the part, the how you get there is the fun part. And, you know, you mentioned about being part of a community um, of creatives. And I think that there is so much power in that. I think that my, the work that I am the most proud of, the work that I am eager to show off to people, the work that I look at in a book or on a wall or on a, on the webpage and go, yeah, that was awesome. Was when I had a really incredible team of talented, you know, stylists and makeup artists and set designers and producers and, and art directors that like help me elevate my art to the next level. It's like, we all, yeah. we all carried each other to make this incredible thing. Um, and so like, I don't know, I have moments where I see those pieces. I look back at them and I go, you know what? I'm sending, I'm sending my makeup, my makeup and hairstyle team, high, uh, you know, a, a mental high five right now, because like that was great stuff that we did. And I think that those are the far more rewarding experiences in what we do for a living, at least as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, the the people that you get to work with and the people you get to work with over and over again, uh, you know, that's the make or break. That's you know, if I can if I can work, especially if I can work with, you know, the same people that I want to or if I can work with the people that I want to. Like if I get to work with, you know, a certain makeup artist or certain hairstylist or certain like that that can make my entire day. Absolutely. I can make my entire shoot. The shoot might be boring as hell. It might just be portraits on white. But like if I get to go with that person, to that location and do it, it could be, you know, the best thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it's like hanging out and you just got paid to do it. So I find it funny that neither one of us said, I want to make six or seven figures shooting photography. There was, it, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised. Like money is, you know, what is, I'm going to bust the ball right now. The biggest paying jobs that you'll probably have come from the shittiest shoots that you'll do. The most boring, obnoxious shoots that people probably won't see the yep. giant side of the building that i'm going to get i'll probably end up paying for most of that out of pocket <laughs> i mean somewhere out there so i i don't know i can i've I made this comparison before but like 
there are there are big sexy jobs that pay big sexy money um and i think that in the world of photography and i i would love for one of these people that does does this for a living to like email me and say that i'm wrong but um for those for there's probably a handful of those jobs at any given time and it's mm -hmm. like it's like playing professional football right like like i play football and i'm okay i'm a pretty good i'm i'm a pretty good quarterback like i i throw the ball all right but i'm also not tom brady right and i think that there is a certain element of like ability and talent and then just just dumb luck that yeah. come into being one of those you know one of the 35 people that gets to step on a, a field and do that job in front of that big of an audience it's some real one percent of one percent stuff yeah i, I mean yeah. like so i you know but you're to your to your point you're absolutely right like the the jobs where there is a there is a lot of money like holy cow this is what i do for a living professional photographer like they're not sexy things you know they don't get you the the, the oohs and the ahs not all the time at least um at least that's in my experience so yeah i don't know i mean we we didn't mention we didn't mention big six-figure salaries as part of that whole like defining success thing i think it's always in the back of your mind like you want to do well enough to pay your rent and you know maybe stash away for a rainy day but like i think that's a terrible way to go about it because like it just we we all know we all know like the stats on like it's not it's not what makes you like that won't make you happy right it's always a yeah. a continuous chase of stuff that said if there's anyone that wants to put my picture on the side <laughs> of a building and pay me handsomely for it you can call me uh <laughs> or email me ashton at hybridangle.com or find me on social ashton stan i also like six Ding. figure salaries <laughs> yes yes we we both like them we there's an, if you have enough to go around me and david will 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 do them for you totally um anyway that was uh yeah um don't chase money chase your art don't compare yourself to others i'm trying to think of the cliffs on this one um what's and, the uh what's what's the there's a phrase uh uh too long didn't read fucked it up <laughs> or too long um, too long didn't listen if you're just jumping to the very end to hear what <laughs> camera we talk about um you missed an incredible segment where we basically told you to always be redefining your success your goal posts um owning a studio is really nice but you don't have to have one it has to make sense for your business um and comparison yeah. is the thief of joy oh there see look at you see patino like, says you're like a little comparison you, is the thief of joy you should have like patino style fortune cookies <laughs> i would buy those <laughs> you heard it here first everyone this is how david patino makes his six-figure salary it's not in photography it's in fortune cookies little fortune cookies for <laughs> photographers all right let's talk cameras um is it a holga <laughs> <laughs> darn that is a good idea though uh, i was gonna say so in the world of technology there has been a lot of advances in computational photography mm -hmm. um and if you i'm a i don't know if you're anything like me you, I, i'm a tech nerd and i follow all like the little you know new things that come out so mobile photography let's talk about that mm -hmm. for a second and the okay. samsung galaxy s10 heard a lot about it yeah heard a lot about it um I actually just watched like a whole shootout between like the galaxy the iphone xr and the pixel 3 
whatever it's, it is. It's amazing how like there's a section of YouTube that like completely lights up when they do these <laughs> little shootouts. Um, <laughs> like I feel like if if you really want to get a if you want to get a fire starter of a video going, just do one of those. Like you should do a phase one shootout against iPhone XS. Yeah, I think the, the the further like you can get yeah, on the spectrum, the, the better everybody likes it. And you have to go for like the, like you got to go for the clickbaity title and like the comments are going to be complete, like just a circus. It's so the S 10 is first of all, it's a thousand dollar phone, right? I believe. Yeah. It's uh, a th- a thousand, so it starts at $900. Like a thousand, like I think like the most expensive one is like 1400 bucks. So it's, you're in like MacBook pro ter like base MacBook pro territory for a cell the, phone. The S 10 plus is $1,600. There you go. For phone yeah but that being said if you've seen pictures and or video off of it it's pretty sick (laughs) uh especially in like low light kind of you know where you would normally whip out your phone and do stuff it looks really really good and it's what like 12 uh was it 12 megapixel or 16 megapixel um that's ginormous like that's you could print stuff with that I think it's, I think it's interesting how I, I, we're finally starting to see the I think people are starting to see the light that mega, megapixels don't necessarily matter all the time. You know, it's, it's cool a, to have. It's fun, but really, it's it's performance and kind of color and you know how it's handling light and dark and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I do I think it's going to replace any sort of real camera? No, but do I think that it's amazing that you can carry that much tech in your pocket? Yes. So. Apparently, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know the feature I said on this one, but I think the older ones, the last Samsung S Galaxy, blah, 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 whatever it is, they had a, a what do you call it? Oh, an, it does. It has a micro SD. SD. A micro SD card slot. And you can also save to the phone's internal storage. So does that technically mean two storage capacity, like two card slots, two storage mediums? You are correct. That technically, technically, you'd have onboard and one pullout. That's. It's not two card slots, but it's definitely it's two storage slots. Pretty close, more than a red does. I would, um, I would spend sixteen hundred bucks right away. There you go, buy it. Sell your five uh, D four. Yep, and go buy a Samsung S ten immediately. Walk into an art director's office and be like, "Look, I don't need a, I don't need a rig anymore. I got my phone, <laughs> and we're good to go." And just like that, somewhere out there in the world is someone listening that says, Ashton, I'm going to put you out of business with this S10 Galaxy phone. It's good. And you wouldn't be far off. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That's been Office Hours. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening uh, and hanging with us. If you enjoyed our podcast, share it with a friend. Share it with two friends because sharing is caring. And we really, really think that uh, we like what we do here and hopefully you do too. Um, So if you liked it, share it. This podcast is produced by my buddy, David Patino, at the Tannery Studio in Sandhope, New Jersey, with assistance of Katie Lantuck of KOPR, and every once in a while I help out. Uh, you can find us all online at social. It's David A. Patino, basically everywhere. Um, Ashton Stan on Insta and a couple other social places. Um, and yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. It's been, it's been yeah. fun. Good we'll, one. Uh, we'll catch you guys soon. See you in two weeks. Peace. <laughs>